anything nice with you. We can't just have chips. Without guacamole flying everywhere. <laughs> this is why we can't have anything nice. <laughs> Can you believe it's episode 53? What? I feel like we just recorded episode 52. We might have. <laughs> episode 53 of I'm Sorry What the Podcast. I'm Amanda. I'm Christina. Christina might be a little apple pie drunk from the last episode. <laughs> I'm... I am not. You were you were sweating. <laughs> Dude, I was so sweat guys, I'm still sweaty a week later. <laughs> a, whole, a whole fucking week oh, the later. Week, the back of my neck is still so sweaty. Because we didn't record both of these in the same sitting. Oh, I gotta shave my armpits, girl. Stop rubbing your sweaty armpits. <laughs> You're like, I'm so sweaty. I can hear your fucking judgment. I'm judging the fuck out of you. In I your look over. You say, I'm sweaty. Lift your arm up. Rub your hand on it. And it wasn't say, rubbing. I was like, oh, there's a lot of hair. Was this this hair. is rubbing, Christina. Christina. You're such a <laughs> bitch sometimes. Like, I and, don't even understand. And your comment to touch your sweaty armpit is, I need to shave my armpits. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, a troll? <laughs> I prefer Hobbit, (laughs) but it's fine. How those top of your feet know? I shaved those, so I think they're good. (laughs) I was like, my big toe's a little hairy. I shaved my big toe earlier, (laughs) so I think we're good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to stop talking like I was, because it was annoying the fuck out of me, so I can't imagine what everybody else is thinking. Thank the fucking Lord. (laughs) Praise Jesus. Praise crazy. Oh me. god, I, I really oh. am sweaty. Like, it's not I'm being dramatic. Stop rubbing your sweat! And then you touch and shit. Touch and shit. You know what I found out this week? What? When my dad took me to lunch. Okay, stop. I'm sorry. I told you you're drunk. You're I like, am. I'm not. I'm not. Okay, so my dad took me to lunch because uh, he's the cutest old man ever. <laughs> he took me to lunch on Thursday? Yeah, no, Wednesday. Um, and we were getting, I got biscuits and gravy, cause that's the best meal ever. Biscuits and gravy and hash browns and eggs. And you know how I like my eggs, like, over easy, but I don't like them super runny. Mm-hmm. And I was, so I was like, describing it to her, and the waitress was like, so you want them over medium? <laughs> and I went, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? And she's like, there's a name for she's it? She's like. That's over medium. And I'm going, I'm like, are you telling me my entire life that I've gone almost 31 years of constantly describing the way I want my eggs at restaurants and it's taken this long for someone to tell me that there's an actual fucking name for it? And she's like, it's over medium. And if you don't want them running at all, they're over hard. And I'm like, I didn't eat. I. I don't even know what to say right now. I forgot about Roger. He's fucking staring at me. Um, and I was so my neighbor's name is Roger too. So when you said that, I was like, "What the fuck? (laughs) What are you talking about?" I was floored, floored by that. I had no fucking clue. I'm like, I've literally at every restaurant I've ever been to. I'm like, I want. I'm like, 
over easy, but I don't want him super runny, but I don't want him like hard. And she's just like, so you just want him over medium? And I'm like, oh my God. Fuck this shit. I might as well. I could die now. I now. <laughs> what are you? An egg angel? You fucking know. <laughs> you fucking. And they were perfect. They were the perfect egg. Well, now you know. When we take our late night trips to fucking Perky's. I want over medium eggs. With my biscuits and Can gravy. Over medium? Yeah. They're like, what is that? It's like over easy, except medium. Except medium. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Move on. God, your face. I'd punch you. <laughs> if right you in the fucking talk, jaw. Just, gonna, just so you know, if you ever talk to me like that and you're serious, I'll kick you in the mouth. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick you in the mouth. I'm gonna kick you in the mouth. Oh, Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, shit. Yeah, so you have a second part of a story today. Part, dear. I'm excited. I'm I, ready. I like how I say today, like, I'm trying to be all, this is a new day, but I it's just not. announced that we just recorded. Yeah, we're not even going to pretend that we're that coordinated. This is just, like, tw- this is literally an hour after I finished telling you the first part, so you're fine. Yeah. Okay. So, we're, when I left off last week, mm-hmm. last quotation marks you know from Um, you guys like in in time travel podcast world and we had just finished marie had paid her court fees her world was like falling apart her one of her foster mothers had saw that newscast about another woman who had been raped in the exact same manner that marie had described um and the cops had tried to like compare marie's case and they were just kind of shut down Mm -hmm. that's where we're at okay we're gonna put a pin in that that's the sound of a pin being put in the <laughs> it's in her in the case. It's one of the pins on that board with that all they, the red the yarn is on. Now okay. we're moving to Colorado. We're okay. in Washington. We're in Colorado. January fifth, two thousand and eleven. Golden, Colorado. Detective Stacy Galbraith um, was sent to a sexual assault report. Okay, and. You said Galbraith. Um, what? You said Galbraith, Stacy. Stacy Galbraith. 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 Okay. Um, the woman told the detective that she was 26 years old, an engineering student on a winter break from a nearby college. She'd been alone in her apartment, and after she made herself dinner, turned on the TV, fell asleep. At around 8 a.m., mm-hmm. she was woken up by a man. Who had jumped onto her back, pinning her to the bed. Holy shit. Oh my god, I can't even imagine. Yeah. He wore I a, everything about that. He wore a black mask that felt... Or she said it... She described it as more looking more like, like a scarf that was tied around his face. Okay, so he basically was just trying to conceal his um, face. He gripped a gun and said, don't scream, don't call, or I'll shoot you. So he has a gun now. Yes. Okay. He tied her hands loosely behind her back... And then he pulled out thigh-high stockings, uh, high heels with pink ribbons, lube, um, moist towelettes, and a bottle of water. The fuck is happening right now? Then for the next four hours, he raped her repeatedly, documented the assault with a digital camera, and threatened to post the pictures online if she contacted the police. Afterward, he made her brush her teeth, Take a shower, and by the time she exited the bathroom, he was he had gone. 
He took all of her sheets, all of her bedding. Um, and the only, like, discriminating detail she could say about him is that he had a birthmark on his calf that looked like an egg. Okay. It's like so, an oval. What? Like an oval. Yeah. Okay. But she described it like an egg. So, um, the detective, like, swabbed the woman's face with cotton swabs to try and collect any DNA that may still remain, but, Mm -hmm. um, and then she took her to the hospital. Um, she went a forensic examination to collect any other DNA evidence before she left with a nurse. She told the detective he had to have done this before. Well, clearly... He came fucking prepared and so cleaned she, up after himself. Right. And she went back to the crime scene and there were like a half a dozen officers, technicians were working on like looking at the apartment and canvassing anything, trying to find any trace of DNA or anything like that. Right. So in the snow, they found a trail of footprints leading to and from the back of the apartment, but you can't cast footprints in snow. Mm-hmm. So they spray painted... With orange fluorescent, fluorescent spray paint, the prints, and took photos of them. Okay, so you so could they, see the details better. So you could see the clear details of the print, and that's, like, all they could do. So, in the article, it pointed out at this part. So, the article actually tells it from two points of view. It tells it from Marie's, and then you get, like, to a point in Marie's story, and then it switches back over to this story. Okay. I didn't want to confuse anybody, so I'm telling them in a different order. But... It's it's really kind of cool because it's telling them because they're running parallel to each other. Right. It's telling them kind of at the same time. So in the article, it points out that rape cases are, like, unique to themselves with um, other crimes. It's one of the only crimes where the credibility of the victim is often on trial as much as the credibility of the assailant. Right. Uh, and the t- the trail between crime and conviction, the... F- it's the first tier is the fact is the cops. They have to, an investigating officer has to figure out if the person is telling the truth and then has to determine this, where it goes from there. Right. You have to follow victimology pretty heavily in rape cases. And detective Galbraith, her rule was to listen and verify So she said, a lot of times people say, believe your victim, believe your victim. But she said, but I don't think that's the right standpoint. I think it's listen to your victim and then corroborate or refute based on how, based on the facts. Which makes sense. And so she's very like. Analytical about it. Analytical. And she's very go, go, go. Like she wants, Mm -hmm. very driven. She's a badass. So she went home to her husband that night um, they had just, like, a normal evening, made dinner, were sitting on the couch and talking about their day. Her husband is also a police officer. Okay. So, when they talk about their day, they talk about the crimes and kind of bounce them off each other and bounce ideas off each other. So, oh. she told him about this case. And the one of the discerning things that she that the victim had told her is that before he left, he showed the victim how he broke into her sliding door. And then said he suggested she put a dowel into the bottom track to keep out future intruders. And I, I I don't know what to do with this information. That's the it's so contradictory to like what just yeah, to what just happened. Like right. you came in and you did all this stuff, but in order to protect myself later, you suggest I should do this. Yeah, I broke in this way, so you may want to fix that. Oh my god. 
So her husband, David, um, was floored, basically, because he's like, we just had a case exactly like that. And he worked in Westminster, which was 15 miles like northeast of it. Oh, so they were in different districts. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So January 6th, 2011. Um, so this was... This is in Colorado, right? Colorado. You said? Okay. Yeah. Um, so the next day, Stacy... Sorry, I scrolled up. No, I lost my spot. Stacy sent an email to the detective who um, handled... That her husband gave her the name of that handled that rape case. And the subject line was sex assault similars question mark. And... Edna Hendershot read the email and immediately remembered a case from August of 2010. So a year prior, or like six months prior. She responded to a rape of at a blue-collar apartment complex in the northwest corner of the city. It was a 59-year-old woman who told her that she had been asleep in her home when a man jumped on her back. He wore a black mask, tied her hands, stole her cybershot camera, and used it to take pictures of her. Afterward, he made her take a shower, picked up a kitchen timer, set it to let her know when she could come out. And his last line before he left was, I guess you won't leave your windows open in the future. The man told the woman and then disappeared. Bitch, it makes me so happy that I'm on its second floor. So. <laughs> and no, no anything to climb on. So, Hendershot and... Galbraith, or Stacy and Edna, as I'm going to refer to them, because their first names are much easier to say than their last names. Yes. Um, that she, Edna remembered that while investigating the case, an officer had alerted to her to an incident in 2009, which was in Aurora, which is a suburb of Denver, mm-hmm. and a 65-year-old woman told police that she had been raped in her apartment by a man with a black scarf wrapped around his face. He tied her hands with a ribbon took pictures, and threatened to post them on the internet. So it's literally the exact same thing with all of these people. And they're backtracking now, because these yeah. are... So during the attack, he knocked a yellow teddy bear off a desk in her bedroom, and the woman had said, you should, told him, you should get help, and he said it's too late for that. He knocked it off, like, accidentally hit it? What, yeah. What was the... Just oh, okay. I'm like, I'm confused. <laughs> I believe it comes up again. Otherwise, okay. if not, that's a weird detail that I left in here. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't understand. Was there However, something I'm more a little that? fuzzy on it, so don't. <laughs> I think it comes up again. So, the two women are like, we have something here. Right. Clearly, so there's... Join forces, because yeah. they're fucking badasses. Hashtag girl power. Hashtag girl power. So, Stacy, Edna, and then the Aurora detective, Scott Burgess, meet at the Westminster Police Department and they like basically compare all their investigations and put them all together. And they were all like all of these were similarities and si- like they mm-hmm. they're the same thing over and over again. The only victim that was a that had that identifying mark, she the the victim in Stacy's case was able to remember a lot more details. Okay. She was younger. Mm-hmm. Um and I think she was just more like savvy about I have to remember these details. Right. So she saw the identifying mark. She was able to say that the camera that he was photographing her with was a pink Sony digital camera. Oh, cute. That he stole from the first rate. Mm-hmm. And then 
So that's really all they had to go on is basically her details that she remembered. The mark that she saw was the egg-shaped on his mark, calf. correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, and basic, so all of their attempts to try and find a suspect failed. Um, the Golden Police obtained a surveillance tape that showed the entrance to the apartment complex where Stacy's victim had been attacked, and then uh, they had someone go through more than 12 hours of the footage. He counted 261 vehicles and people coming and going throughout the night. There was only one lead, which in the right, like, before dawn, there was a white Mazda pickup truck came around through that camera ten times. Ten times? But the license plate was unreadable. So all they had was a white Mazda pickup truck. Right. So by late January, towards the end of January... Um, they decided to broaden their scope. Edna asked one of her department's crime at analysis to scour nearby agencies for similar crimes. He, they turned up an incident in Lakewood, which is another suburb of Denver. Okay. Um, that occurred about a month before the rape in Westminster. At the time, the police had labeled it a case of burglary, but it appeared very much like a failed attempt. Okay. Committed by attacker who's closely resembled the description of the rapist. Um, and then an analyst said, Edna, you need to come talk to me right now. The report detailed a 46-year-old artist had been, like, attacked in her home by a man with a knife. He wore a black mask, tried to bind her wrist, but when the man looked away, the woman jumped out of her bedroom window. She broke three ribs, punctured a lung in the seven-foot fall to the ground, but managed to escape. Seven feet? Yeah. How, how, did she belly flop out? (laughs) What? I feel like that's just I, a I little imagine, bit higher than a tree house, like that one of those like rainbow tree houses. I imagine though that it's not like she was Panicked, coordinated right. jumping out. She just, just like threw like, her body Superman out. Superman that hoe out yeah. the window. I don't I don't know why you you make references like that in situations like this. It just comes out why? and then I'm like, that's not appropriate. Why but are you, you know the, what I mean? Like Superman right. the hole. Like she dived. Like I Why are you the way that you are? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, Um, yeah. So she jumped out of her... That's... I mean, good for her, though. Good for you. Way to go. Um, However, the problem with this was um, there were thunderstorms that had soaked the... Oh, wait. No, that's not a problem. Sorry. (laughs) It's a good thing. It's like it made footprints, right? Yes. So... Castable footprints. Yes. So, there was a thunderstorm that had soaked the area before the attack. So, police found shoe prints in the soft soil, um, and it had honeycomb marks on the windowsill. Okay. Or on a window. Honeycomb. So he touched it with a hand. Oh. And the honeycomb marks were from a glove. Mm-hmm. So, they, they casted the shoes, they got the prints off the window, they had the honeycomb marks, and they compared them to, like partial marks that they had found in on one of the other crime scenes and they uh-huh. matched the marks um appeared to be from a pair of under armor gloves that like had football that, gloves what like football gloves no just like well i they didn't really say they just said under armor gloves that had like honeycomb marks on them mm-hmm. so i think there was just a pattern like a design like a gripping pattern yeah on yep. them and they were sold at dick sporting goods okay uh, he checked out the footprints left at the Lakewood scene. They matched the footprints that were spray painted in the snow. 
um, with the same marks, and they were able to identify the shoe prints as being made by a pair of Adidas ZX700 mesh shoes, um, which were available in March, most stores after March 5th of 2005. Okay. So end of January, early February, they had been able to connect four rapes over a 15-month period across all of Denver's suburbs. Started in Aurora, and then um, nine months later in Lakewood, then Westminster, and then the attack in Golden. So it's somebody back and forth, right? basically. It's, it's throughout these suburbs yeah. of Denver. So Stacy and Edna started looking at options for DNA uh, to try and find the rapist. They had examined their crime scenes, been careful. He had been careful, but not perfect. The attacker had left behind the tiniest traces of DNA. So they didn't ever have, like, full samples of DNA, but they had enough... Um, one of them recovered three samples of touch DNA, so it was mm-hmm. as few as six or seven cells of skin. That's yeah. all they had. Like, so they had been so thorough in these crime scenes, which is also, like, good job, guys. Touch DNA is fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, crazy. That, I just even thinking about it, I'm like, how can, and we went from, like, ten years ago just being able to, di- like, ten, fifteen years ago just being able to start identifying people generally, like, specifically with the DNA, and now all of a sudden they can just, like, pull out just a few cells of skin and do it. Yeah. It's full. It's fucking weird. Here's where the teddy bear comes in. Oh, okay. All right, the teddy bear. So, one sample was collected from the kitchen timer in Westminster. The second came from the victim in Goldham on her face. Okay. And one came from the teddy bear in Aurora. All right. All right, all right. Sunshine. I knew it came back. Care bear. (laughs) So, early February... They, they met again in Westminster. They had more than a dozen cops and agents from the FBI and um, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation. And they gathered to basically start a task force on this serial rapist. Right. Um, but after five weeks, there were no leads, no suspects, and the a- analysis of the touch DNA produced mixed results. Well, yeah. I mean... Um, They were able to narrow a field of suspects belonging to the same paternal family line, but there was not enough genetic material to actually find a... It's also another thing that blows my mind. Right. Paternal familial DNA. Yeah. (sighs) My dad did 23andMe. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, It's great. It's awesome. Yeah. Wild. So... Wild stuff. So they... As the meeting was coming to a close, there was a young crime analysis from the Lakewood Police Department... Said she had conducted a search for any reports of suspicious vehicles or prowlers within a quarter mile of the Lakewood victim's home for the previous six months. And she had turned up something but didn't know if it was important. Three weeks before the attempted rape in Lakewood, a woman had called police late in the evening to report a suspicious pickup truck parked on the street with a man inside. Police checked it out, but the man was gone. The officer filed a brief report on the vehicle... And what had attracted the analysis' attention was the location of the pickup. It was parked half a block from the Lakewood victim's house by an empty field adjacent to her backyard. And it was a 1993 white Mazda pickup. Ooh. Hmm. It was registered to a Lakewood man named Mark Patrick O'Leary. The patrol car had actually snapped a picture of O'Leary standing by his white Mazda in the driveway of his house only two hours after the August attack on the window in Westminster. So they had, like, patrol cars looking, Mm -hmm. and they searched through all the patrol car footage and were able to find him standing next to that truck 
in his driveway. So that's, that's fucked. That's all of the like wow. shit that they were going like combing to try everything. And, yes. So they got that. They transmitted that. They sent that image over to Stacy, who carefully compared O'Leary's white Mazda to the surveillance tape on a freeze frame. They allowed um, and showed that both white Mazdas had broken passenger side mirrors. Okay. And both vehicles had ball hitches on the back. Both had smudges on the back in the same place. And like a bumper sticker that it, like it looked like a bumper sticker that had been torn off. Oh, okay. Like adhesive leftover mm-hmm. or whatever. So Edna looked into it and the Lakewood Patrol car had snapped its picture as O'Leary was headed to a nearby branch of the Colorado Department DMV. And about four hours after the Westminster attack, the photo showed a six-foot-one man with hazel eyes. He was 32 years old, 220 pounds, um, wearing a white shirt. And the girl who was attacked in the Westminster attack said he was wearing a white shirt. And that was, is that the one that remembered more details? No, Just that was the one that was right before Most it. recent. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um. So then they spent, they just based started combing through O'Leary's life. They hadn't even contacted him yet, but they were, like, looking through all of his... Right. Just trying to find out. He had no criminal record. He was not a registered sex offender, and he had served in the Army. What's his name? I want to see his fucking face. Mark Patrick O'Leary. Okay. Uh, Stacy and her husband, David, once again, um, started... Cert- like, her husband was helping her at home when he she came home from work. Aww. Yeah, so they were looking for... Um, any references to O'Leary using different search engines before long, um, David was able to, had purchased a pornography website in September of 2008, and they were trying to, they were wondering if it contained photos of his victims. He looks like a human frog man, just so everybody's aware. <laughs> Thank you for describing him yeah, for me. Yeah, see? Frog yeah. man. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they were trying to get a sample of his DNA, because they had the degraded DNA that could tie him to like a paternal line if they wanted to test it but they right. wanted like specific, specific no room for right. error so they did it like the basic like we're gonna tail him to a restaurant wait until he gets done slide in steal his cup yep so they do that so they're setting up this thing they're doing that and while they're following leary this guy um Another FBI agent knocked on the door of the home. What he was trying to do was install a surveillance camera nearby and wanted to make sure that nobody was home. And then the door opened, and there was Mark O'Leary. Who are they following, then? So they're super confused, because in all of their digging, they didn't determine that he had a brother named Mike. Mike and Mark, huh? Who looked exactly like Mark. So they were following Mike. Now I gotta look up his twin. Well, it's not a twin. It was just his older brother, but they looked exactly uh, alike. Brothers. So the ma- the man introduced himself as Mark. His brother Michael had just left to get lunch with his girlfriend. O'Leary thanked the officer. Oh, the officer said that uh, he told the man he was canvassing the neighborhood for a burglar in the area. Oh, okay. Um, and the man's like, oh, thanks for the... Or Mark would just like, thanks for the information. I'll let my brother know. He just went left with his girlfriend. Blah, blah, blah. Moved on with their day. Right. So, they were like, well, fuck! We got the wrong dude's DNA. However, they do have enough for paternal association, Mm -hmm. so they're like, alright, we'll test Michael's DNA and see... um, So, they ran Michael O'Leary's DNA 
that they got from the restaurant glass against the DNA find found at the crime scenes. And it came back as like, it's an, like a, a match to that DNA, but they can't guarantee that it's his DNA. So it was like, are they, is it Mike or Mark now that we're looking for? <clears throat> yeah. I, Oy vey. So, um, <laughs> it's like, it, they came from the same paternal line, yes. so it might be one of the brothers. <laughs> yeah. So Stacy, they were able to rule out the father because he was too old and had lived in a different state, but they couldn't rule out Michael yet now because the DNA technically was a match as well. So, and they, so they were trying to determine was it Michael or Mark, first of all, that committed the rapes or were they doing it together? Oh, because right now they that's all they had. Right. So um they typed up a search warrant to enter the brother's home and it was uh they called the judge. Uh it was a weekend, so she called the judge like at home and was like I need a search warrant. Um he got the fax. He signed it at 10 p.m. Saturday. And so they went to his house. And she told the cops, when you get them, um, I need to look at their legs. Ooh, Because girl. there's that birthmark. Yep. Um, and at 8.15 a.m., they knocked on O'Leary's door. Mark is the one who opened the door. And he looked completely confused and shocked. Stacy pulled him to the side, patted him down. When she got to his leg, she raised his pant leg, and there was the birthmark that was described. So he was immediately under arrest, and he was arrested by 8.35 a.m. So it was like 20 minutes. Wow. Okay. The search of the home that they invested, uh, they found a pair of the Adidas ZX700 shoes in O'Leary's closet. The treads matched the footprints in the snow in Golden and outside the window in Lakewood. They discovered a pair of Under Armour gloves with a honeycomb pattern in the bathroom was a black head wrap tied to serve... It was like a military head wrap. You know what I'm right, talking about? Yep. Like the, like, styrofoam. You know what yep. I'm The styrofoam. I was going to say Velcro. I was like, styrofoam. I don't know about that, but um, yes. <laughs> they turned up a black Ruger uh, 38 caliber pistol and a pink Sony shot camera and a large backpack, along with wet wipes and lube hidden inside a piece of stereo equipment in his closet. They found a collection of women's underwear, which were all trophies from his rapes. <sighs> I just don't understand people. Yeah. I just don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Okay, go on. So. Just had to let it out. No, that's okay. <laughs> so that night, uh, Edna drove to break the news to her victim, the 59-year-old woman, that she had lost her woman or her husband to cancer the previous year, and she had no family. So she was still, like, recovering from being raped. Mm-hmm. And, um, but she was able to tell Edna that we got him kind of thing. Aww. By March, by early March, they had their forensic computer analysis had um, cracked into all the files on O'Leary's computer and on his hard drive. He fo- found a folder called Girls and had and pictures that O'Leary had taken of his victims in Golden and Westminster. But then, as they're looking through the images, mm. they found an image of a woman they didn't recognize. She was much younger than any of his other victims. Um, appeared to be a teenager and the pictures showed her looking terrified, bound, and gagged on a bed. And after looking further through them, they were able to discover a name because it had a picture of the woman's learner's permit placed on her chest. It had her name and her address in Linwood, Washington. 
Oh, guess who that is? Yeah. Marie. So working from Colorado, Stacy not only linked O'Leary to the rape in Lidwood, Washington, but also to a rape in nearby Kirkland. Yep. So it was the other there lady. Yep. She made the connection by working with the Washington State Criminal Analysis to search a database for unsolved cases similar to O'Leary's crime. She then found the Kirkland victim's name on O'Leary's com- computer attached to an encrypted file. So... O'Leary pled guilty to 28 counts of rape associated with felonies in Colorado, and then on December 9th, 2011, almost a year after his arrest, he was sentenced to 327 and a half years in prison. I'm really glad that the judge threw in a half year. <laughs> yeah, they're like, this is this is it. For, and that was just for the Colorado attacks, which is the maximum allowed by law. And he is housed in the Sterling Correctional Facility in uh, northeastern corner of Colorado. And will never, he doesn't have the possibility of parole. Will he ever get charged with? I'm not sure. The ones in Washington? I would think so, but I don't know. In an interview with police after his conviction, um, O'Leary stated that he recounted all of his attacks in detail. And I the article actually pre- describes Marie's attack from his point of view, but I left that out because it was really disturbing. Yeah. He described the feeling after raping one elderly victim. He said it was like I had just eaten Thanksgiving dinner. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. And then he can he in all of his confessions, he made it clear that there was lessons for law enforcement. He boasted of the all of the countermeasures he had taken to avoid getting caught. He knew that the army had a sample of his DNA, so he took steps to avoid letting any traces of genetic material be left behind. He also realized police departments often did not communicate, so he deliberately committed Hopped. each rape in a different jurisdiction. Uh, the five other attacks, the one in Washington, the four in Colorado, all came after the attack on Marie. Mm-hmm. If Washington had just paid attention a little bit more, I probably would have been a person of interest earlier on. So, the... <sighs> That's how I feel about that. So, after O'Leary was linked to Marie's rape, Linwood Police Chief Steve Jensen requested an outside review of how his department had handled the investigation. In a report that had not been made public but is now public, um, Sergeant Greg Rinta was a sex crime supervisor with the Sonomish County Sheriff's Office. Um, and he wrote, what happened was nothing short of vic- a victim being gohearsed into admitting that she had lied about rape. Mm-hmm. He stated that Marie ha- recanted wasn't surprising, given the bullying and hounding she was subjected to. The detectives elevated minor inconsistencies common among rape victims into discrepancies while ignoring strong evidence that the crime had actually occurred. As for threatening jail and a possible withdrawal of housing assist- assistance if Marie failed a polygraph, these statements are, co- are co- coercive, cruel, and unbelievably unprofessional. I can't imagine any justification for making these statements. We had victim. We have victimized this woman again. Uh, he also reported there was also an internal review, which was similarly damning. Uh, Mason's judgment was unduly swayed by Peggy's phone call. The detective's second interview with Marie was designed to elicit a confession of false reporting. The false reporting charge arose from a self-imposed rush. So they just wanted to close the case. Right. That's, um, oh my god. Despite these reviews, no one in the Linwood Police Department was disciplined. Uh, the current commander of Linwood's Criminal Investigation Division, which they now have, um, 
or sorry, they already ha always had that. I thought it said sex crimes, but no, never mind. Called Marie's case a major failing that has left the members of the department with a profound sense of regret. regret. Sergeant Mason is now back in the narcotics division, but he's in charge of a task force. Uh, he was interviewed in the same room where he had confronted Marie seven years before about in this article. He said it wasn't her job to try to convince me. In hindsight, it was my job to get to the bottom of it, and I didn't. Um, Marie's case led to a change in practices and culture. Uh, detectives receive additional training about rape victims. They get immediate assistance from advocates at a local health care center. Um, they must have a definitive proof of lying before doubting a rape report, and a charge of false reporting must now be reviewed with higher-ups. Um, in 2008, Marie's case was one of four labeled unfounded by the Linwood Police Department. According to statistics reported by the FBI, in the five years from 2008 to 2012, the department determined that 10 of 47 rapes reported to Linwood Police were unfounded. That's 21.3%. That's five times the national average of 4.3% for agencies covering similar size populations during that same period. Uh, hmm. So. I'd, um, so two and a half years after Marie went through her ordeal, the Linwood police office or found her. Living south of Seattle, told her the news that her rapist had been arrested in Colorado. They gave her an envelope with information on counseling for rape victims. They said her record would be expunged and handed her $500, a refund of her court costs. That was all they offered her. That's it? Mm-hmm. Did she fucking, like, file a suit? Afterward. Thank God, because she should. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> afterward. Um, Shannon, who was still in contact with Marie, um, met with her and said, I'm sorry I doubted you. Uh, Marie forgave both Shannon and Peggy. Uh, Peggy said she wishes she had never doubted her uh, because she feels that if she would have just shut her mouth, there would have done the police would have done their job. Yeah. Uh, Marie sued the city and settled out of court for $150,000. Um, the lawyer for the Linwood Police Department just said a risk management decision was made in regards to why they settled out of court. Uh, and then Marie left the state. She has a commercial driver's license and took a job as a long-haul trucker. She married, and in October, she and her husband had their second child. She asked that her current location not be disclosed. That was the ending of the article. What was that sound? That was my computer letting me know I got an email. Oh, you're so popular. Oh, yeah. That, oh my gosh. And that is the end of the Colorado rape cases, which as they're known when you search for them, Colorado slash Washington cases. And I just love this article. Shh. I just love the title of the article, which is an unbelievable story of rape. I just, just so annoyed. I mean, I'm glad it got nope. to the bottom nope. of it, but like... That's not what I meant to do. What? I just started Snapchat calling someone. I hate that when that happens. Oh, when you go to press exit right. and instead you press call and you're like, no, no, no. And then it's like, now I'm a sorry. creeper. That's now not I gotta, what I meant. That's right. It's like, now I gotta like send you a thing saying, sorry, I didn't mean to call you. I was trying to exit. I don't know if I... Mm -hmm. <laughs> sorry, I was don't trying to ignore to your snap, not call you. Yep. Um. So yeah, that's... I thought that was just a really interesting story. I really want to watch that, like, mini-series now on Netflix. 
to see like what is it called again? Unbelievable. I just it's got the youngest daughter from who's or from the Tim Allen show, the Last Man's the Ending. Oh. Oh, oh. She's Marie. I just am like, I don't know. I'm a little, I don't know how I would deal with all this. I don't understand how anybody finds any of this. Like, rape really fucks with my head. Yeah, sorry. It does too, but it was just such a, such an interesting story to me that I was like, I have to tell this. This is so cool. And like, fact- not cool, but just, I mean, like, I love the the aspects of, like, the two female detectives who are mm-hmm. like, no, we're gonna fucking solve this. And they, like, well, come together and take care of fucking business. I guess what and- fucks with my head the most with this story is the fact that it's like, they're just in their house and, you know sleeping yeah i try not to think about that aspect (laughs) i can't i can't not (laughs) but well and the other thing that just makes me so mad about this whole the whole case is the fact that all of those rapes happened Uh uh-huh like o'leary's right like if the cops had done their job when marie was raped Mm -hmm. four other women may not have been raped yeah or you know or who, I mean... Who knows? I mean, maybe they never would have discovered it. Maybe he would have gotten away with it because he really was good at covering his tracks. But nothing was done. Yeah. Which nothing. allowed him to continue to... Except shaming and, like... Right. Tarnishing her name. Tarnishing the victim. I don't know. That was a good story, though. Oh, thank you. Lots of... Lots of what? The, I'm sorry, What? I'm sorry. What? What? Let me pull up this new story. Tell me a story. So I'm going to be completely honest. This one's not going to be very long. That's fine. Mine was super long. Um, Just because I found this story, got all caught up in it, but then realized there's not shit about it. So... I'm going to tell you okay. about a mother named Lisa Hayden Johnson. Okay. So Lisa was a British woman who had a son who was born severely premature. Um, they lived in Brixham, Britain. Okay. Britain. Britain. Uh, Everyone as- in Britain, by the way, hates the way you just said Britain. Oh, they're fine. Britain. Um, Britain. So uh, as soon... <clears throat> As it seemed like he was kind of Wait. getting health. Okay. Sorry, this thing is, like, going to fall off and smack me in the face. So our son was, pre- like, super premature, but it seemed like as soon as he was, like, on the mend from that and kind of catching up and developing enough to be able to not be on life support, uh, she was on t- went on TV and announced to the world that he, they found out that he had a life-threatening food allergy um, possibly because of the developmental issues that, like, from being so premature or whatever. Um, and he had, he couldn't eat normal food, so basically he had to be a feeding tube, right? Okay, Okay, so he had to use feeding tube so they could monitor exactly what was in everything that went into his body, I guess. So, she also, like, her son also was hooked up to an oxygen tank, um, 
not too long into being, you know, born. Mm-hmm. So, and on the same, like, talk show, she was showered with gifts, gifts and all sorts of different things. I can't, I tried to find a list of what specifically was from the talk show, but it didn't really say anything anywhere. But she just got a bunch of free shit. But she got a lot of free shit because of the trial that her and her son had been going through and that it just kind of, it's, it's just a hard life, you Mm -hmm. know? So here, here's some stuff. Maybe this will help a little bit. Um, this wasn't her only appearance, appearance in the media either. She spoke to magazines, more TV shows, like different segments and like newscasts and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, and she also went on to the internet and basically promoted, um, well, ba- she just went on the internet, told her story as in, like, vlog style, mm-hmm. and people were just in awe of how they were dealing with things and doing as well as they were, even though it was such a hard circumstance, you know. Um, they received tickets to different tapings of TV shows, such as The X Factor, they had received a couple different cars, cruises from different foundations that were like, oh, you know, let's help you out as much as we can. Here you go. Maybe it'll be good to go on this cruise through this foundation with other kids that are having, you know, medical issues and everything. Um, not to mention the thousands of dollars in cash donations that they had received. Uh, from what I read, it was right around 130,000 pounds that they got throughout the years. At one point in 2005, her son received the uh, Children of Courage Award from British Prime Minister Tony Blair and his wife. Okay. Which apparently the, like, Lisa had lobbied for like crazy she went to went to her social media pages and stuff it's like hey he you know yeah he deserves it da, 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 da. um hayden johnson which is lisa would describe her son as the most ill child in britain because he had all these different issues all this different stuff it's it's just so like i don't understand why you'd want to talk about it all the time mm-hmm. but whatever when he was six years old, the doctors started wondering why he wasn't showing any, like, physical conditions that would come, like, come hand in hand with the different medical issues he was having. Like, he was developing muscularly normally, but she made him, like, sit in a wheelchair. So why wouldn't he be able to walk with the way that his muscles were growing? Mm-hmm. Um And they wanted to do further testing as soon as they found that out, along with um, concerns from staff at his school that something just wasn't right. Like, they they thought there was, like, maybe abuse happening. Okay. So it just made everybody look a little closer. But as soon as this came up, um, Hayden Johnson, she has a hyphenated name, Mm -hmm. Hayden Johnson, claimed that she had been sexually assaulted, uh, trying, which... In the end, they found out that this wasn't true because just as soon as they, like, had found someone who could have been the suspect that matched her description and all the things that happened, um, she confessed to one of her many lies. Okay. So, nurses at the hospital during this as well, nurses and medical staff, I guess, at the hospital noticed or found out that Hayden Johnson had been putting glucose glucose in her son's urine. 
to show that there was a high number of glucose count in it, basically being like, see, he has diabetes. And Mm -hmm. um, so that was one of the conditions she claimed that he had. At Devon, Bristol, and Great Ormond Street Hospital, it was discovered that he was forced to go to school in a wheelchair, though his muscles were showing the build that he could easily run and walk with his friends, but he was forced not to by his mother. But he also, like, because it was from such a young age, he genuinely thought that he just couldn't. Couldn't. Right. He just couldn't. She also made him, but there was also videos that came to the surface that he knew he could run, but he didn't realize that he wasn't, like, he didn't realize that it was an option, basically, when he went to school. Right. Um, Because there were videos of them on these, like, random cruises and stuff where he would be, like, running around the pool or, like, standing up and walking to the pool and, like, doing the stuff she said that he couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, so she also made him wear huge sunglasses to protect his eyes and a bright yellow hat, yellow and green hat, so that he could be easily plucked out of a crowd for safety if there was a school emergency since he couldn't walk and wasn't mm-hmm. able to get himself out. So he, she basically made it so he was very noticeable. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, she wore... A green nurse's uniform around the house. I'm so annoyed by this. And I know. And filled his room with medical supplies, basically, and oxygen. There was, like, an oxygen cylinder in it, too. Basically. And, like, drawers that were filled with medications. Basically, she made it look like a little mini hospital room. But she had, like, Star Wars blankets on it to try to make it Mm -hmm. seem like she was making it homey. But it was prepped for him because he had so many medical issues yeah i i'm like and a lot of the stuff it's like looking at pictures is where i'm getting more of the details because literally every article that i read it was the exact same story it was like a brush over top of it and i don't know if it's just because in britain maybe they're a little less like give the attention to the people that do stuff like this yeah but i was like i want to know more tell me other things that happened Mm mm-hmm uh, the child was also subjected to a series of physical instru- intrusions and interventions. This was a quote. Um, during his medical treatment, she would increase his blood sugar levels so that it showed that he had diabetes, like I said before. Um, she was giving him medications he didn't need. She was just all sorts of just random stuff that was more harmful than helpful because he didn't have these conditions that she claimed he had. Mm-hmm. Turns out, in total, Hayden Johnson subjected him to 325 medical encounters, including inserting a feeding tube into his stomach under general anesthe- anesthetic, and claimed that he suffered from illnesses including diabetes, food allergies, cerebral palsy, cystic fibrosis, And in an intolerance to the sunlight, which is why he had to wear those giant glasses and he was always having to put on sunscreen and wear a hat and keep himself covered. Um, I can't. Yeah. So during the investigation, police then, sorry, then went on, this is when they found the holiday pictures and the cruise pictures of him running around and swimming in his swim trunks and eating hearty meals like it wasn't right. There was no problem. So it's like when people weren't looking, she's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Do your thing. 
Um, but as soon as anybody was looking, it's like, oh, but look at how poor mm-hmm. everything, how, how hard bad is. it's so hard with that. Like our lives are so hard, but we're, we're making it work. Right. Uh, prosecutor Andrew McFarland said, quote, the defendant organized, orchestrated, and ensured the reg- regime of medical, psycho- psychological, and physiological tr- mistreatments amounting to 24-hour torture that touched on every aspect of his young, vulnerable life. As a result of her sadistic fabrication, the defendant achieved much publicity and national attention. So basically, obviously this was not true, and she did all this, and it was basically torture because it made him sick when he wasn't sick. Mm -hmm. Very similar to the, like, Gypsy Rose. That's This is, like, it's like the British Gypsy Rose, basically. Yeah. Um, Except he didn't kill his mother. No. Yeah, no. No mommy dead and dearest here. (laughs) So she was arrested in October of 2007 when her son was seven years old. This all happened before he was seven, which I looked at and I was Mm -hmm. like, holy moly. Um, She was arrested for child cruelty and preventing the system of justice for the claim of rape because she was trying to delay them looking into this. Right. When she said that. She was only sentenced to three years in prison. Did she lose custody of him? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. She showed no emotion when she was receiving her sentence. She just She's was... obviously sick, though, because Munchausen yeah. by proxy is Oh, yeah. She definitely disorder. has a mental like, She's obviously, illness. like... But, which is crazy. But... Yeah. The judge told her, there are five adjectives to describe you. Cruel, manipulative, perverse, disordered, and pitiful. Your cruel conduct traversed the sorry, fundamental rules of nature and nurture. Uh, DC Mark Urin of the De- Devon and Cornell Police, which is the police that investigated it, said that she constantly denied being cruel to her son. At no stage she did she apologize for what she had done. There was never any explanation. See, and I struggle with this because she's clearly got Munchausen by proxy, which is Mm -hmm. a mental disease. Which also I feel like to have Munchausen, you also have to have kind of like the narcissistic personality Mm -hmm. disorder because it's all about wanting the attention on you Mm -hmm. and using somebody else to get it. And so she's obviously got more than one mental disorder. Mm -hmm. So... With Munchausen by proxy and the way your brain is so fucked up, do you even know what you're doing is wrong? I would think so. Because to you, it makes sense what you're doing because you need this attention. Because you have the mental... That, if they didn't... How can someone who is doing something to make someone sick and show that they're sick not know that that's wrong to make them sick? It's not just because they want the attention doesn't mean that they don't know the gravity but of what they're doing. It's not, I guess it's not that, like, you don't know what the gravity is, but to you, it's justifiable because you need this to function. You but need that doesn't, that. I mean, that doesn't necessarily make you, like, criminally insane. No, I suppose not. Because if you, even if you know that it's not okay, like, as as long as you know that this is, there's a gravity yeah, to, to me, situation. like, but to me, like, obviously she did a lot of criminal things to her son, and she needs to be punished for it. But when you have that severe of a mental deficiency, I struggle with, 
should you not just be in like a mental health institution instead of being put in a prison where you're probably not getting the mental health help you? Well, I think, yeah, you need mental health help, but I also feel like just because you need that attention shouldn't make it okay to abuse your child, you know? No, and I'm not saying it is okay. I'm just saying I, I, I guess what my point about it is, is I struggle with, is a jail sentence really the answer? Well, yeah, you know? but I mean, like... But I mean, if you have someone who's schizophrenic and is doing crazy shit, like, I'm totally... And not knowing what they're doing, it's still wrong that they killed someone. Mm-hmm. They still probably know that it's wrong because they you cover it up or something. You know it's wrong, mm-hmm. but you're crazy and you're out of control and you can't control the urges or whatever. So, do you... I don't know. It's, they it's have a- psychologists in prisons. It's not like they don't... Don't give me that side eye. They do have them. I'm not saying they don't have them. I'm just saying I feel like it's not a priority when you're in jail as opposed to when you're in, like, an actual mental health facility. I think the tough thing is is as soon as you cross that line of, well, they know that it's wrong, but maybe we should just send them to... Yeah. Because then it's like, okay, but this person got sent even though they tried to cover their stuff up. They knew that it was hurting somebody else, but they still got sent to... It's one of those things that it's like, as soon as you cross that line, it's hard to find where the line is anymore. Yeah. You know. I suppose. Um, But Hayden Johnson's son and his sister, because she also had another child. That just got that, no attention and... That was just there, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, now live with their father, who basically just believed what she said, because she was the main caregiver... And he was the one working. And so when she's like, oh, we went to the doctor and did this, this, and this. So he's like, okay, you know, sounds good. He would just do what was supposed to happen from what the doctor said. And she'd Mm -hmm. have all these medical papers. But though it was something where she was like, oh, he has all these problems. And so the doctor's like, okay, well, if he has those problems, he most likely has this. So we could treat him for, you know. I never understand with Munchausen Prep Proxy also, like, how it gets through all of those doctors. Because, like... It took me three years with a bro with like a torn ligaments in my ankle for my doctor to go. We should probably do surgery, like <laughs> right. But but she's got her kid on a feeding tube and got all this shit. You know, I'm like I had actual MRI showing I had torn ligaments in my ankle, and it took my doctor like a year and a half to finally go. We should probably do surgery before we tried know, every other treatment imaginable. You know, especially when you're dealing with a child. Like, well, and I think that's where the malice comes in, though, too, because you have to, like, vigorously fight for something if it's something that the doctor doesn't necessarily think is appropriate. Like, that means that you... I suppose. You pushed for it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, But, yeah, so he... <clears throat> so they're with their father now who moved to the other part of the country, a different place. And from all accounts, it says that they're very happy. And he... The child is in, like counseling and getting mm-hmm. you know trying to figure out real life because he just understand that mom's crazy and you can run now yeah the defendant that's it it's just tough because at those young ages that's the attachment that he has and so then it's like yeah. i can't trust anybody right you know the defendant and the father um who was a supermarket manager oh this is just but he basically just believed her deception at first um and honestly as soon as he found out they separated divorced 
and he moved with the kids to a different place because he was like, nope. Nope. He noped out of there. Nope. Not going to deal with that. But yeah, so as far as uh, I know, child's doing well. She is what I, I guess I didn't really even say years in this, huh? 2007. She's probably out of jail at this point. Yeah. But. That's a fucked up story, dude. But I'm sure they have. I mean, this is in Britain, too, so I'm like, they might have different, like, after you get out of jail, you have to do follow-ups for, I don't know what their, like, protocol is when it's something that has to do with a mental illness type of criminal act. And again, couldn't find details on anything, so that's, like, the most details I could find. It took me Mm -hmm. forever to find out that it was the X Factor was the show that they got, one of the shows they got live tickets to, because I was like, well, what's that? That's something that I could find. (laughs) The X Factor. Yeah. It's a fucked up, it's literally, it is literally Gypsy Rose of Britain. The Britain edition, except he didn't kill mommy. Yeah. Well, and like, I mean, I'm sure it could have turned into that if he, it hadn't been caught when he was seven years old. Yeah. You know. But yeah. And that's, Gypsy Rose is another one I'd love to do sometime. There's just so much to it. Yeah, that's a, that's a fucked up story too. It's a doozy. She, I'm just, her is it makes sense why. She killed her mom? Well, that, but like, it makes sense how they got past the doctors for so long because they were like, oh, we were down in Katrina. Like, they lost all our files and the, you know, whatever. And it's like, oh, okay. So she has this, this, and this. Like, we're trying to like rebuild it, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. This is what we need to take care of. And so she basically got to create her own by that, with that lie, her own like, Medical, medical history. history. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. But yeah, Munchausen by proxy is just one of those things that like just makes me sick. Just it's... I just hate it. Munchausen, understand that. I mean, I don't understand it, but making yourself sick for attention, I get that. When you're like perverting your maternal instinct to give yourself attention, that's fucked. I don't like that. It makes me very, very uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't like that either. My computer's gonna die. Okay, well, perfect. Let's wrap this shit up. And, uh... So I don't lose the story. Order a pizza. Oh, pizza! Alright, guys. So excited. Um, so follow us, like us, share us, do all that stuff. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, in case you guys haven't heard. Shoot us an email, iswthepodcast at gmail.com. I don't really care what it's about. We would just like to get some sort of interaction with people. That Are you great. there? Are Hello. you listening? Hello, guys. Excuse Ooh. me. Hello? Hello? And another thing I thought would be fun is if we did, like, a bonus episode where we answered random fucking questions that people had. Okay. Okay, so I'm putting that in the universe and Christina's just now hearing about it. Send us some questions. Like, weird questions. I don't give a shit. Send us weird questions. We are it. open books, so... I would love to get some f- fucking weird questions I and have to talk about them. We'll do a video. How about we do that? Okay. If you send us questions, we'll do a video. You want to see us on a visual platform, send us your questions. Yeah. If you want to see us on a visual platform. And we'll... Send them anyway. I mean, if you don't want to look at our faces, that's fine, but I want to hear it. You're fucking dumb. You're fucking dumb. Spread the word. Spread yourselves. Hey, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.